Hello everyone, Dr. Stillman here. Today we are going to be talking about biological, or sorry, bioidentical hormones, facts versus feelings. So I use bioidentical hormones in my practice. For those of you who don't know, bioidentical hormones refers to hormones that are used medicinally that are exactly identical to the hormones produced by the human body right down to the last you know, organization or, or I should say arrangement of protons and neutrons and things like that. They're a very important class of medication because in our modern world, as we're going to discuss, people's hormones have never been more disrupted. I talked about this in my testosterone webinar, I think two weekends ago now. And today I'm talking about bioidentical hormones specifically for women. We really don't use this term for men for reasons I won't discuss here. This class is really for women and talking about using bioidentical hormones to help mitigate what happens as women age. So the number one thing about bioidentical hormones uh, that I hear from women is that they're concerned they may increase the risk of breast cancer. For those of you who don't know, there was a study called the Women's Health Initiative that came out many years ago. And they, the commentary from the researchers was that bioidentical hormones increase the risk of breast cancer. This turns out to not be the case, as I'm going to discuss in a moment. And this really put the brakes on bioidentical hormones for women, at least in the mainstream. But many people continue to prescribe bioidentical hormones because they saw the therapeutic value and because the numbers in the Women's Health Initiative did not make sense to them and they did not buy them. Or maybe I should say fall for what I believe to have been the fake news of the Women's Health Initiative and the studies that came out regarding it. So why would we use bioidentical hormones? As women age and as all people age, their hormone levels tend to drop out. In women, we call this menopause. In men, we tend to call this andropause. Menopause generally refers to a shorter period of time between a woman's usually mid forties and early to mid fifties. Although there's a wide range in that. I mean, women will go through menopause uh, much earlier than that. In some cases, that's sometimes called premature ovarian failure. Uh, yes, Jenny, that's true. That's true. They were not, but they extrapolated the um, results to the bioidentical. So it's sort of the same difference to me. Where was I? Let's talk about hormones. Hormones tend to drop out as people age. This is true across different hormone classes. This is part of the natural winding down of the human body as we age. Now, this starts us off with an interesting conundrum. Should we embrace normal aging or should we fight it with bioidentical hormones to basically prolong the period of time during which we'll, we will appear youthful, robust, strong, etc. Okay. And that's where we're going to dive into today's presentation. Okay. So this is the book estrogen matters. This book is arguably the most important book for women who are interested in bioidentical hormones to read the, uh, testimonials from the, uh, inside cover. I think speak for themselves. This book is written by experts uh, in this matter, and they basically take to task the information that scared women away from bioidentical hormones 
And I'm not going to get too deep into this book, but it basically the long story short on this is if you look at the all the data that we have, I don't believe there's any reason to believe that bioidentical hormones increase a woman's risk of cancer. And in fact, I believe that once all the data is in, we're going to see that bioidentical hormones reduce your overall risk of death and prolong your life expectancy. And they certainly increase your quality of life. And that's one reason why I'm using bioidentical hormones in my practice. It's why I recommend them to my friends, my family, even of course, people who I'm not treating actively. So that's a really good book. If you want to really deep, deep dive on this topic, this is, uh, my mentor's website, Dr. David Rosensweet. He and I did an interview on this very topic. It was pretty long winded. It came out on my Substack. If you go and you put in bioidentical hormones, it will, it will come up. Yep. If it doesn't, please let me know. And I will find it for you and post it in the comments to this. He has a free book. It's called happy, healthy hormones. He has spent his entire career helping women to balance their hormones and get through menopause gracefully. And when you see the effects of bioidentical hormones on women who are basically crippled by their perimenopausal symptoms, I think as a clinician, it would be hard for me to go back and practice without them because it feels like withholding a truly life enhancing, uh, uh, life changing treatment. So let's talk about a little bit more, more detail about what these hormones are used for and why. So as women age, their natural hormone production, and we're talking about the sex steroid hormones, the estrogens, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, there are many other subcategories within these. There's probably more than a dozen estrogens measured on the tests that I use for this. Uh, there's different uh, uh, metabolites of testosterone and DHEA, but these are the big families. And these within the big families, this is the effects that too little and too much have on people. So estrogens too little, you'll get warm rushes, night sweats, sleep disturbance, mental fogginess or forgetfulness, weight gain, uh, vaginal dryness, drawing of the eyes and or skin, diminished sensuality or sexuality, and a sense of normalcy only during the second week if you're still cycling, hot flashes, temperature swings, racing mind at night fatigue, or reduced stamina, episodes of rapid heartbeat and or palpitations, pain during intercourse, loss of glow, back and or joint pain, intestinal bloating, and headaches and or migraine. You'll see all of this with too little estrogens. With too much, you'll get breast tenderness, fullness, impatience, uh, but clarity, mental clarity, pelvic cramps with or without bleeding, nipple tenderness, malaise, water retention, which means swollen fingers, legs, and or ankles, hot flashes if the dose is very excessive, okay? So the estrogens, as you can see when they're deficient, can create a whole host of symptoms that are disabling, crippling to women. When they come to me with severe menopausal symptoms, I, I feel a great deal of empathy for them because the degree to which these problems are derailing their lives is extreme. And they're really, really hoping for relief because they never counted on menopause being so challenging. Okay. Progesterone, too little sleep disturbance, increased anxiety, mood disturbances, particularly anxiety, hot flashes, breast tenderness, newer enlarged breast lumps, water retention, difficulty, relaxing, decreased libido, period irregularities, PMS, fibroids, or endometriosis. Too much progesterone and you'll get drowsiness, grogginess, 
sense of physical instability, hot flashes. If it's a very excessive dose, feeling depressed, slight dizziness, leg discomfort and pain and water retention. Now, one thing I want you all to know is that as women age, progesterone tends to drop out faster. And when we see women in their thirties and forties struggling with the symptoms of, of too little progesterone, we know that she's already starting to see her ovarian reserve drop out. And that's why she's having those symptoms. We're going to talk about why women are experiencing this earlier in life and why they're surprised by it. Not all of it, I believe, is normal aging. I believe a lot of it has to do with what's going on in our environment, as we're going to discuss. When you give women back progesterone or estrogen, it is amazing what happens to their well-being and their quality of life. Testosterone. Too little, diminished libido, loss of sense of security, body hair loss, diminished energy and stamina, flabbiness and muscular weakness. The triceps will get very flabby. This is the most common plastic surgery done in the country at this point, and many people don't know that. Too much testosterone, hyperaggressiveness, excessive oiliness of the skin, potentially acne, increased hair growth on the body or face and or the place of application, and some women will complain of excessive or out of control libido. So all of these uh, hormones play a really critical role in helping women feel well and have a normal quality of life. And women get used to having them balanced in their youth, or unfortunately, they increasingly are used to having them artificially balanced with oral contraceptive pills or with some other form of um, synthetic birth control. And this is a really important point that perhaps I should have mentioned earlier. I did briefly allude to the fact that bioidentical hormones means hormones that are exactly like what your body produces. There are hormones that are not like what your body produce. And these are synthetic hormones. These are patentable hormones. And because they're patentable, the pharmaceutical industry has patented them. And then they push them with their marketing because they can make a higher margin on them. This has led to um, many of the problems that we see with hormone replacement, where people will say, oh, well, I've heard estrogen causes things like breast cancer. Well, it may well just be that estrogen increases the risk of breast cancer when it's a synthetic estrogen, a fake estrogen. Okay. And there's not really any and there's so little literature on bioidentical hormones. And this is one of the problems with the medical research industrial complex. The money is there to research the big pharma agenda. But if it's a threat to the big pharma agenda and bioidentical hormones are a major threat to pharmaceutical company profits, then there will not be research dollars for it. You can bet your bottom dollar. So when you look at these symptoms on here, there's multiple drug classes that doctors will try to use to control these symptoms, but they've all been told you must not use bioidentical hormones because they might increase your risk of breast cancer. I can't even begin to tell you how many drug classes we have that increase your risk of death or increase your risk of cancer that doctors hand out constantly. This is purely a mindset problem within the medical community, and it's partly a problem of how uh, plaintiff's lawyers have rigged the system against doctors and patients so the patients can't get good care 
and the doctors have to pay through the nose for malpractice insurance and practice very defensively, which means with always with a mind to the jury or always with the jury and a judgment in mind. And this means that the whole system doesn't work as well as it could. So these symptoms, as I was saying, there's a whole litany of drugs that are being used to control these problems, but they don't work. They're not good solutions. Very few women who I take care of who are on bioidentical hormones wind up on anything but bioidentical hormones and supplements. Now I want to, I want to mention the supplements very clearly here. These symptoms on this sheet, which are the symptoms of menopause, these symptoms are often symptoms that are associated with nutritional deficiencies. So for example, sleep disturbances, very common in magnesium deficiency. Uh, anxiety, very common with low levels of things like zinc and potassium and magnesium and other alkaline earth metals. Many of these symptoms are associated with toxins in the environment or with heavy metals, which women will, because they live in a modern world, accumulate gradually over time so that they have some total body burden. My point is simply this. The big mistake that I see people making is thinking that their aging symptoms are due to a lack of hormones. That is not necessarily the only factor. And so while I will use hormones therapeutically in order to rescue people from these horrible and debilitating symptoms, I do not do so without also addressing their nutritional status and their lifestyle. I've seen women's hot flashes and weight gain and mental fogginess and forgetfulness and other problems with hormonal balance, whatever you want to, you know, call them, label them of every kind of variety. I've seen them resolve when they did things as simple as walking outside three times a day, taking off their sunglasses, uh, getting the lights off at night, wearing blue blockers, and just improving their sleep quality. Not everyone responds to that, which is where we will use bioidentical hormones when appropriate. Okay. So these are the symptoms we use them for. This is why I'm trying to give you hopefully enough of a background of, of what the rationale is. So I was saying about how nutrition plays a critical role in this, but the other thing that I want people to know and that have that one of the things that's caused me to embrace bioidentical more than I perhaps would have and used to is that I think our world is changing in many ways for the worse. And so when you look at the effects of many of our modern problems, these effects are on the endocrine or reproductive systems of our bodies. And we're going to talk a lot in the rest of the video about endocrine disrupting compounds. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my channel. I appreciate you liking and sharing and commenting. If you have uh, questions, drop them in the comments. I'll try and make videos to address these questions uh, in the future. And um, if you like these masterclasses, be sure to jump on over to my Substack blog, which is stillmanmd.substack.com, where I will be uh, posting the videos so you always get notified of them. And you can also uh, weigh in on sort of the things that I cover in my blog, which is a recent post that I just put out asking for people's feedback. So as I was saying, I think our world's changing. And this is very dynamic, right? It's like people say the world is changing. Well, it's a big world. And so it's changing all the time, but it's not all changing in the same direction in all places, is it? Right. But things I want you to be aware of that are going to affect your hormone levels that I think a lot of women are not aware of. So we've found very robust associations between things like air pollution and age at menopause, 
long-term exposure to ambient air pollution was associated with the age of menopause and the risk of early menopause. I picked this paper because it's a nice review on it, but I can tell you there are countless papers on this and they point in the same direction. Pollution in our environment poisons the reproductive system gradually and basically burns it out. That's how I think about it. Okay. We also see that people are having problems with their hormones at earlier and earlier ages. This is why the fertility industry is skyrocketing in terms of its market share. And it's, it's year over year growth is insane. The fertility industry, look at this, will grow from 47.17 billion in 2022 to 54.12 billion in 2023 at a compound annual growth rate of 14.7. That is incredible. We are seeing unprecedented levels and severity of infertility, and it's driving a whole industry within the medical industrial complex. Now, what's frustrating to me about this is that the industry for infertility is not looking to solve the roots of the infertility crisis because they don't make any money when they solve the actual problem. They make money when they provide a solution to individual people. I have no problem with providing solutions to individual people. It's what I do as a doctor. If you'd like to become a patient, the link is in my link tree in the description of this video, and you can fill out the schedule consultation form and you'll get instructions on how to schedule an appointment. But we shouldn't, we should hope for a world in which people can have children regardless of their age, their socioeconomic, well, not their age, because that's biological. I can't do anything about that. But regardless of, let's just say their uh, socioeconomic status, because what's happening now with the cost of IVF is that it's turning into a $40,000, $50,000, per child investment for families. And I don't think this is a good direction for the world to go. I'm sure most of you agree. You know, the idea of having to shell out a hundred grand per kid is insane. It's not sustainable. And this ultimately reflects, moreover, a problem with our environment, a problem with our lifestyles, and our, a problem with our society, perhaps as a whole. So what is the, if I had to pick one single phrase, problem, that's creating the epidemic of infertility, okay? It would be endocrine disrupting compounds or chemicals. Endocrine disrupting chemicals have been in the scientific literature for years now. I remember reading about them when I was in college over a decade ago, and they were just coming out in terms of how our understanding of their precise mechanisms. And because of that, I think that very few scientists and doctors understand them. Policy is lagging far behind what we know about these compounds. And, you know, frankly, because of this, they've become ubiquitous in our environment. There's not a way to meaningfully reduce your exposure to endocrine disrupting compounds without taking what some would consider to be extreme uh, measures. Now, I don't think that they're extreme. Most of my patients don't think that they're extreme. They're doing them all the time. Things like sauna to get rid of the toxic chemicals that are in our bodies. Things like reverse osmosis filtration or drinking spring water from protected aquifers or eating organic food or avoiding toxic chemicals in household care products, household products or personal care products. The list goes on and on. I counsel patients about that at my practice. Again, if you'd like to become a patient, the link's below. I counsel people about that in my coaching programs. Link's also below. But the point is just this. 
these chemicals are here, they're in the environment, you're being exposed to them and you have a certain burden of them. Now, one of the things that really confuses people about endocrine disrupting compounds is that even very small quantities of these compounds can actually create oversized effects. This is a very paradoxical finding. And to, to make that very clear, I, I wanna explain and very clearly what this means. Smaller concentrations of an endocrine disrupting compound may have worse effects than larger concentrations or exposures. Let that sink in, okay? That's like me telling you that less cyanide is more dangerous than more cyanide. It doesn't make sense to our minds that operate in a world where as the dose goes up, the effect gets bigger, right? If you're full of food and you eat more food, you feel more full. If you are hungry and you don't eat food, you will get hungrier. What I just said about endocrine disrupting compounds, something like saying, if you eat less of it, you will be more full. Or if you fast more, you will be less hungry. Make sense? If it doesn't make sense, that's totally okay. Because quite frankly, I don't think the scientists and chemists who study these phenomena truly understand how it works. And in the end, it's academic. They'll figure it out one of these days, and I look forward to hearing the explanation. However, in the meantime, for those of you wondering, how can I optimize my hormones? One of the most important answers to this question is by cleaning up your environment so you minimize your exposure to these compounds, which are real and are having a real effect on the health of people on a global scale. It's very hard for me to make statements about how they're affecting you, even if you become a patient, even if we do a bunch of, bunch of fat, fasting, sorry, fancy lab testing, because A, the lab testing is somewhat limited methodologically, which is a whole nother story, and B, um, it's in your body, and it's hard for me to assay these things with blood and urine and saliva or sweat or even things like hair. So it's just tough for me to know what's really in your body. So I don't worry too much about it. I focus on getting you healthy and well so your body can push out toxins that are inside the body. And for the record, we'll see patients in the practice who as they, as they get better, will see toxic levels in different lab tests go up and down. And we believe that's what we're seeing. We're seeing toxins come out of the body. So anyway, this is a great graphic from this paper that I just covered with you guys. Here's epidemiological evidence of these endocrine disrupting compounds disrupting our hormones. So we have earlier menopause. We have uh, diminished ovarian reserve, declined fecundity and fertility, and cycle irregularity. All of these things are happening in women more and more and more severely. And oral contraceptive pills are what 98% of doctors reach for in order to treat them, rather than having a discussion about how lifestyle and diet and nutrition and all these other things may be playing a role in creating the problem. And this is why when we start working with people, we don't reach for those drugs. And frequently women coming to us don't want them, have already discontinued them or want to discontinue them. And just by changing things about their diet and their lifestyle, we'll be able to have them stop those things and get better. So there's epidemiological evidence that I mentioned, and then there's experimental evidence. So over here, this whole graph is about the fact that these compounds and chemicals, very common in our environment, as I was mentioning, are having effects on eggs and female reproduction. And then uh, to a certain extent, well, this is about women, but the same thing is true in men. Okay. 
So one other thing that I want to mention uh, that I sometimes worry I talk too much about is EMF. Uh, this is a very interesting study where they showed that an exposure to microwave radiation actually affected implantation or pregnancy in mice. There are many, many papers on this topic. And the more you look, the more you're going to find. We are substantiating over and over and over again that these electromagnetic radiations do affect the systems in our bodies that run on hormones. Now, let's talk about the next level here of thinking, which is what happens when you combine endocrine disrupting compounds with things like EMF. Okay. This is a study. Uh, one of the authors on it is Ole Johansson. He's a professor in, I think it's Sweden, who's very much an expert on EMF. And when you look at the, uh, the text of this, he says the most pronounced responses were detected in the treatment with a low dose of atrazine. That's a terrible, terrible herbicide that is still legal in the United States because our government hates us and is basically allowing corporations to poison us. Um, and both of the combined treatments, okay? Atrazine at both low and high doses in combination with EMFs had a synergistic effect. Interesting, right? I'm not gonna go any more into the uh, ovarian hormones or bioidentical hormones uh, at this point. I hope I've made I hope I've made it clear that as levels of these hormones drop, women experience worse and worse and worse symptoms of menopause, okay? I hope I've made it clear that there's clear reasons that women today are struggling more with aging and going through menopause with their hormones than women were generations ago when the environment was much less polluted and women didn't have such a high body burden of these chemicals, okay? But there's one more... Uh, thing that I want to mention about bioidentical hormones. And that's that many women have been told that they have hypothyroidism and they're being medicated with thyroid hormones when really their symptoms are due to menopause. The converse is also true. A woman on bioidentical hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone may have low thyroid hormone levels, but most bioidentical hormone prescribing doctors are savvy to this problem and so I've never actually seen one of them miss this, at least not in a significant way. This is a graph of TSH, that's thyroid stimulating hormone. And what this graph implies, arguably, is that as you age, your thyroid works less and less well. To what degree that's environmental toxicity, to what degree it's nutrition, lifestyle, anybody's guess. But my point is simply this, women will often end up on a combination of hormones, including thyroid, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, and you have to get the doses right. And you have to identify which low is creating the symptoms that the woman is actually complaining of. And when you get that right, you're able to preserve an enormous amount of quality of life for women as they age. And you're able to mitigate the sometimes crippling effects of menopause that many of them are struggling with. And that is why bioidentical hormones are amazing. Now, Let's talk about the long-term consequences of not using bioidentical hormones. Many people are critical of bioidentical hormones. This is just a very bread and butter review of long-term consequences of menopause. Many people are skeptical of bioidentical hormones, and I understand that and respect that. There is something attractive about living life the way God and nature intended. I totally get that. However, in nature, 
pretty much everybody dies sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth decade. Very few people make it to 100. Very few. As somebody who used to work in hospitals taking care of critically ill, sick, aging people, I can tell you firsthand that the things that people struggle with as their hormones drop out, I wouldn't wish them on anyone. And because the pattern now in our modern system is for everyone to have their life saved from you know, one infection or acute illness after another, we're getting the average person, even who's in terrible shape, into their 70s and even 80s. What does that mean? If you're not on these hormones, your quality of life is going to be terrible. And in many cases, some of the diseases we most fear may be caused by a deficiency of these hormones. Which ones am I talking about? So in this review, just want to read the highlighted portion and explain it and unpack it for you. So sex hormones play a vital role in maintaining health and normal function of several organs such as bone, heart, and brain. Right off the bat, what happens to the bones? They fall apart and women get osteoporosis. Fractures of the spinal column or the vertebra, hip fractures, pelvic fractures, these happen almost exclusively with the exception of severe trauma.